Infinite Scope is an organization that is dedicated to serving the community locally, nationally, and internationally. We do this through connecting people to resources by providing educational and leadership training, as well as meeting the need through tools and skills within our organization. We serve individuals. However, what makes us unique is that our goal is to serve other nonprofit organizations as well. We believe that serving our world should not be limited by minimum or maximum requirements, but should be done through the lens of serving all. There are infinite solutions for community needs. The goal of our podcast is to connect people with other like-minded individuals who are doing the work in various ways to impact the world around them. Join us as we talk with some amazing servant leaders who will also teach you how they impact others. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Infinite Scope podcast. Uh, Today, we have one of my dear friends. uh, Well, she's my sister from another mister. Uh, You know, she is not just my sister because of the journey that we walk through together in life, but she's also my sister because we're a part of the two greatest organizations to uh, ever touch this earth of me being a member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated and her being a part of Zeta, enunciate that T, uh, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Um, So it's just, you know, our bond is deeper uh, than most. And I'm just grateful to have Dr. Kelly Dixon with me. Um, When I tell you we've been in the trenches together and been at each other's beginnings of dreaming and seeing and believing in one another and encouraging one another um i that that has been us our our, we've known each other who i think almost uh, probably like almost 10 years if not more um and 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 it's and it's been great watching her journey and i and i'm excited to have her on here for what her journey and what she's going to share with us um today so uh i'm allow her just to tell us a little bit about ourselves, and um, and we're gonna get going from there. Yeah. So uh, first and foremost, I this is like a dream come true for to be back in each other's space and talking and just vibing. So thank you for the invite, uh, the opportunity to just talk and be free, transparent, etc. And I am just in awe of what you're doing, right? And so you talked about, you know, the journey of dreaming. And I'm sitting here like trying not to get teary. I'm like, yes, remember the dreams, what we would do and all of this and how we have, you know, just gone on our journeys and to be back together again in this space. I, I'm humbled. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell them about you. Who, who, who is Dr. Kelly Dixon? Ooh, first and foremost, Dr. Kelly Dixon. Um, I guess I got to start with who is Kelly Dixon, you know, um, not to do too much with the title because people have their own perceptions of what a doctor is. And I am probably the opposite of what most people think a doctor is. And so, you know, I'm a country girl from South Boston, Virginia, uh, the oldest of two, um, grew up in a very, um, Christian, I guess you could say Christian um, household. Um, so religion was all around me. Um, I stayed in the books. So I didn't do a lot of socializing, all of that stuff. But I knew when I got to, to 12th grade, I didn't want to go to college. I just wanted to get out of Virginia. That's all I knew. I wanted to leave Virginia um, because I wanted to find myself in a sense, right? And so didn't want the factory life. So that, that's what my parents did. And so I am, I guess that's an interesting question when people ask me that, you know, I, I am someone who goes against the grain um, and I go against it because I know what God has purposed me to do. And I've lived a life, even at a young age, knowing God has purposed me for something and still trying to do that of the world. Um, but it, it never worked for me. And so I've always felt alone, even though I was in a space full of people. Um, I call myself the disruptive scholar now. So, you know, working in higher education, um, advocate for historical black, sorry, my dog is in the background, 
um, working for historically black colleges and universities, um, even though I didn't attend. So I'm just I'm just here to um, be a connection to people, be a resource for people. I want to be a representation of what it means to walk in this world, understand your flesh, but also understand the purpose God has given you. And no matter what obstacles come, find ways to persevere to, towards the destination, right? And so I see myself as not someone who's high mighty because I have this doctorate degree, but someone who's real to the people. I'm real to the people and I'm real to myself and I can't be not real. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, um, you know, when you talk about purpose, I had just uh, spoke um, at my church this past Wednesday and um, I said uh, that passion and purpose get mixed up a lot of times, right? And, and people look at passion as their purpose, but passion can change. Mm-hmm. Purpose remains the same. How you live out that purpose may change. How you do it may change, but the purpose will never change, right? Your why, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the why never changes, the how, the what, all that can change, but the why never changes. And the, the purpose is sustainable. It's, it's something that, that continues to go. So, you know, when I, when I think about it, you know, you've always had a purpose and God, and God has told you to, said it to you many times, right? We was kind of having this conversation, you know, offline before we started the uh, actual podcast. And we, we talked about like just God sitting us down and saying, listen, I'm going to keep, uh, I'm not going to keep just telling you and, and giving you these things. And then you not, you not walk in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the purpose has always been there. We, we went about it differently, but the purpose has always been there for, for, for people and for what God has. Right. So that, that, that's, that's cool. Cool to hear that. Like just how, how he shaped you throughout it right yep yep it's it's all god you know i i don't i consider myself spiritual more than you know i'm non-denomination right but i'm about my relationship with god first and foremost mm-hmm. and i'm appreciative of the you know of the preachers and teachers um of the word but i also go back and i sit with god by myself and go through the word right mm-hmm. so can get what he needs me to hear because I recognize that you can give a scripture and five, 10 different preachers will say something different, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they said this, they said that. And so if we're not too careful, we're so con we're so uh we we, we get in the space where we're so fixated on what our preacher or teacher says that mm-hmm. we're in front of someone else, it's like, no, it can't be true. But all of those can be true because God deals with people differently. And mm-hmm. so all of that in consideration and then come back and sit and say, okay, this is what this one said, this one said, what is it that you want me to get out of that God? And that has been my life. Um, and that's truly how I've just kind of lived in terms of my purpose. And you said purpose and passion. And I talk about that a lot because people do get it mixed up. The best way I explain it is Purpose is a vehicle, passion is the gas, right? Mm-hmm. The vehicle, the purpose of a vehicle is to get you from point A to point B. It's, your, it's the destination, it's your, it's your vehicle towards your destination. Passion can change mm-hmm. on how cold, how hot, what you feeling like at age 20 versus what you feeling like at age 40. Uh, but passion fuels the purpose, right? Uh, and I believe that passion comes when we experience different things in life. That's when passion is. But your purpose, I always tell people, I'm a big fan of uh, Simon Sinek's Golden Circle. And knowing your why, that why will not. So once someone tells me what their purpose is, that why, that's it. That how and that what, that's what we focus on now. But if you get to a space you tell me today this is your why and tomorrow this is your why you don't know your why you don't know your purpose mm-hmm. but you know it that's it and everything else will, will align to it so I, that passion and that purpose man yeah 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 that's why people ain't achieving now because they walking in passion instead of purpose well, we ain't gonna mm-hmm. w- w- walking in emotionalism 
Right. When they get their feelings hurt, they don't want to they don't want to do anything anymore. Yeah. Right? Because because they weren't they weren't focused on the they weren't focused on the purpose. They were focused on the feeling that they got. And then so now you're steady chasing the feeling. Right. And when that feeling is not the same, it's like you're chasing a high. Mm-hmm. And, and when you don't get that same high, you need to find something else that will give you that same high when that's not what, what we're, we're, we're not called to chase a high. Right. We're, we're ultimately called to serve. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's, and it's, it's, int- it's interesting just to, just to see that because that's how, that's why people are jumping to, to, to and from because they are more focused on, well, this place no longer makes me happy. When you're working in purpose, you're not focused on just what makes you happy, right? You're, you're, you're focused on achieving the purpose that's there. And then when the time comes, you will shift from yeah. it because everywhere you go, there's going to be problems. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, there's going to be issues. There's going to be quirks. There's going to be crazy people. There's going to be all that stuff that's going to happen. Even if you run your own business. Come on. <laughs> like, like, like people, people think, oh, when I run my own business, I no longer have to deal with crazy people, but, no. but you will. And then guess what? You might end up being the crazy person. Look, I was just thinking that like you, you're the crazy person. You know, because it's your business. It's your name. And you're yeah. going to want the things happening. And, and, it, it, and things change when you have to sit in the owner's seat. It's easy to sit in the seat of the, the worker and the person that's like, well, this needs to be done, this needs to be done, this needs to be done. But when you have to sit and be the person that actually does it, mm-hmm. that's hard. I I, uh, I had talked to this one young lady who was moving up to become an uh, assistant general manager at the hotel. And she was talking to me about like, what are some things that I can give her advice on? And I said, be ready to be the bad guy. Right. I was like, you, you, you're, you're not always going to be like right now in your role. You can be the friend. You can be the, 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 the confidant and, and stuff like that. And like, ooh, you, ooh, your the, the management is doing this. Yep. You're no longer. You are management. You are the person now, and you're gonna have to outweigh of. Is it my friendship that's more important, or is the purpose that I'm trying to get out of them more important? And if you exactly. if you lose the friendship, you're gonna not only is the person gonna lose the purpose, but you're gonna lose the friendship because at some point it's gonna come to a a, a clash, right? So. Yeah, people are are walking in a perceived purpose of their life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that perceived purpose is coming from what other people have said they're good at and what they should be doing other people's expectations. I know that because that. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I began to unlearn those things and say, hey, I need to know who I am. And so self-awareness is what I teach all day long. I can't help anyone if I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so building that foundation of self-awareness, it's a process, it's a journey, every day ain't ice cream and peaches it's struggles come right because mm-hmm. at a point at least i did well i was sick of myself hearing what god knows that i can do knowing that i have faith in god and then hearing what man has to say about my um purpose and and going with that knowing that i trusted god or at least i thought i trusted god so i was in conflict a lot with god because mm-hmm. i was perceived purpose and when i sat down um, and realize I don't know who I am because I'm so fixated on trying to please other people. All I knew about my purpose at the time was it involved me helping other people. And I listened to what people would say about what my purpose should be and et cetera, was me helping people. But in reality, it wasn't. It was a perceived purpose. And it got me to a point where I got on this road of self-awareness, self-journey, um, self-love, self-worth, everything self. I became selfish, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I learned how to like myself so that I could love myself and treat myself well so that when God speaks to me, I know what I need to do because when I didn't like myself, when I didn't love myself, when I didn't hear, I, that was an insult to him. Mm-hmm. He created me to do. So I did a lot of reaffirming of what God created me to be so that perceived purpose is powerful and if they if you're listening 
Um, you know you're in perceived purpose. You can feel it. You can feel it. Get out of it. Yeah. Get out of it. <laughs> That's yeah. good. That's so good. That's so good. People, I thought that like she like she said, um, get out of it because it, it 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 is a trap. Yeah. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 people people don't understand like how freeing things are. I have a, a gentleman that I've recently met and he was talking to me and he's older than me. Um, and he said, man, I just, I just, I just want to make sure I always have the answer and I, and I always get it right. And I, I hate it when I don't have the answer. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And, you know, um, I said, man, listen, I said, I get it. You know, I, 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 I like to have the answer too. I was like, but you know what? I said, it's freeing to also say that I don't know the answer. And he, he just stepped back and looked at me. I said, man, you have to, you have to free yourself of that burden of not knowing that, of, of, of wanting to know the answer. I was like, because what tends to happen, especially to us as black men, is that we don't know the answer to something, but then, and so we make up the answer. Mm. And, 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 and we're so intuitive to be able to know enough, be able to say enough words to make it work that we seem like we know the answer, but really, really we don't. And, and there's there, there's something freeing about being able to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that, but I'm willing to find it out. Right. But I don't know the answer to that. It's freeing. It's freeing for you and it builds trust. Yeah. It, it builds trust because now you don't have to put on this facade, this armor that 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 you are this person, so that when when the moment happens that you do fail, that it's this it's this big crumbling thing because you've put on this 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 facade for so long, and that's where also part of the imposter syndrome comes along, right? It was in my head. It was coming. Right. right? That's where some it of it comes coming. from because because we've had moments where we had to fake it till we made it. Right. right. Um, and for what? For what? No, I no, nope, I don't know. I, I I literally like you know what I'm doing right now. I'm at a hotel that is not even in the same brand that I run in um, Boone. It's a whole different brand. And I have people come up to me and they're like, hey, hey, they're expecting me to know the answer because they've gained trust in me in general. And they come to me. And I look at them like, I'm just let you know, I don't know the answer to that. Right. But I'll try to figure out. But I, I don't know. I'll sit down and I'll. I'll try to problem solve, but I'm I don't know the answer. And it's free. Not now I don't feel that pressure and I can take the time to learn. Um so yeah. I think a lot of that comes, especially for black folks, comes from uh triggers of traumas that we have mm. because we don't talk about trauma, mental health, we don't talk about none of this stuff in the black community. Literally, majority of the time is, you know, pray about it. What happens in this house stays in this house. I'm so tired of that. Like, if I'm dying in the house, I got to stay in the house and depend on y'all to help me? No. Get some help. Get help. Because it it, it does become free. Free, right? And so I was um, on a live the other day, and we was talking about this idea of freedom and what it means. And I said, freedom to me means manifestation. When you learn how to manifest in your life, you ultimately become free. Because manifestation requires some work within you to do. And so when you're willing to do the work, you're willing to manifest what God has put in your life, it becomes freeing. So you ask me something, I don't know, but I'm willing to find out. And I'm okay with not knowing. Mm It's okay not to be so this whole idea of being a strong black woman, a strong black man. It's okay not to be strong. Mm-hmm. Burden to take on, especially when you don't have the skill sets to do it. Too many people operating in somebody else's skills. Yeah, yeah. There we go. That a preach. <laughs> Listen, I, I I figure, you know, we all at the house and phone rung. And it was God on the other end. And someone picked up and God started speaking and someone portrayed being the person that God needed to speak to. And so they're trying to live out somebody else's um, calling. We got a lot of that going on. A lot of it. And you wonder why you're not getting but so far. You should have picked up the call. I used to say, I used to say, 
that uh, some people said they were called, but what they did was they picked up one phone and another phone and called themselves. Right, that part. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't, we got to get to a place, you know, working in higher education as a Black woman is this whole thing of competition, that there can only be one of us at the table. And I'm like, table big enough for a lot of us to be I don't want to compete. I know where I'm strong and I know where I'm not so strong. So if I have black sisters that are around me that are strong in certain areas, I need you on my team. I don't want to compete against you. Mm -hmm. Society, traumas we haven't dealt with for whatever reason have impacted how we navigate. Um, we're, We're a community. We are not put on earth to do everything alone. We need community. And I think the sooner and if COVID and the racial justice in uptick hasn't taught us anything, it's that community is needed. Yeah. And I need it for to show that I'm doing this. But genuine community, genuine trust, genuine love, we need more of that in times like now as we build for what's to come for our children that are coming up, right? And it depends on us. Mm-hmm. Right here having the conversations, but not just having the conversations, but putting the action behind it. So yeah. about work, don't call me. Don't DM me. Don't do any of that. <laughs> you get your feelings hurt. I, I don't have time for it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's interesting because like when you when you're talking about like the the competition mindset that we've that we've done, right? Like uh, I'm, 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 I know we're gonna end up flowing. So this is, but it's, but, but, but it's, but it's funny because this has been something that has plagued us from the beginning of time, right? Even when you just go back, let's fast forward to not just the beginning of time, but like the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. They kept having the argument of who is the greatest, you know, and and. And it's never, it was never about being the greatest. It was always about serving and being together. It's like, it's, it, it, and, and so it's always been missed that we, we, we try to do that. So when we're looking at it, we want to look at how can I be the greatest in it? No, how can you be the best person that you are? You, the only person that you need to be greater than is who you were the day before, you know, who you were three years ago, you know? And so like, when you're talking about like, in the role of higher ed and stuff like that, like you're doing something that I, I I believe has happened at HBCUs before. Like I guess it's been there, but as far as somebody that went to predominantly white institutions, when I went to HBCU for one year, it's not something that I really noticed. But you you do assessment, right? And with that, like like, and you do an assessment at an HBCU, like. I think people need to understand that motivation behind that and hear what puts you in that space. Man, okay. Um, Okay. Well, I want to, real quick, you know, in terms of the disciples and everybody want to be the greatest, you know, it's also in in the word that says, the greatest among you shall be. So you keep wanting to be great, you're going to be a servant until those people. So I just want people to know that. Keep on going for it. But yeah, so working at the largest um, historical black university, um, North Carolina A&T, I am the first ever director of student affairs assessment and staff development. When you look at HBCUs, they're roughly, depending on who you ask, somewhere between 101, 107 accredited. Mm -hmm. So I can identify two institutions that have a role just like mine, and I'm one of them. <laughs> so that's that. The other piece, what kind of ties into my, my doctoral journey, uh, is that my research ended up being uh, exploring cultural assessment, student affairs assessment at HBCUs. I'm the only one that's done it. Only one. Yeah. Lonely. When I go to tables, it's just me in terms of HBCU spaces. Uh, and it was not a topic that I had planned. So, if, so in order to talk about that, I, I need to 
I need to go back and talk about this doctoral process, right? Yeah, let's talk about it because it wasn't that wasn't a traditional path either, right? Like no, what people say that you should do. So let, let let's do it. Go. Hey, if you are loving what you are hearing, don't forget to follow us on all our social media: Facebook, Infinite Scope, and on IG at Infinite Scope. Now let's jump back into conversation with Anthony Bromfield. So first and foremost, I never wanted to go to college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, wanted to go pursue a choreography degree, um, not a degree, a uh, profession in LA. That won't happen. So it came last minute and it was stuck between working fast food or finding some school to go to. By that time, if I was going to a four-year college, I had to wait till spring and I didn't really want to wait. So I ended up at a community college, did that two years, transferred um, to Longwood um, and started go my- answers. Yeah, <laughs> go Lancers. <laughs> started my bachelor's for kinesiology. So I was like, let me, I love sports. Let me do physical therapy. Did my, um, what do you call it? Internship. I was like, I can't do this. And then I heard, you know, if you want to go into physical therapy, you got to get a doctor degree. And I was like, no, I don't want to do any more school. I'm good. Finished undergrad. I was working at a factory. I had been working in a factory for about two and a half years. People didn't know that, right? Uh, while I was in between undergrad. When I graduated, I went back to the factory life full time, a trash bag factory. And I never forget July 20, 2008, I graduated in May. And I remember sitting on my parents' porch and saying, God, I know this ain't for me. I can't, like, I got people around me that have graduated, getting good jobs. What am I doing wrong? And I was blaming myself. I couldn't find a job in my field, just nothing. Even to the point where I was like, well, let me find a way to get to the army or, or the military. And I was like, that's not what I want to do. And something like you, I remember my LV, Andrew Franklin, we had a conversation and he was like, well, you do good with, you know, um, counseling folks. And I was like, that's just me giving some random advice, you know. So he was like, no, but you do good with it. And I was like, okay. And I ended up finding a program at Longwood. I remember going back to the factory and a lady who had worked there about 30 years. And she looked at me and she said, Kelly, when you walk out this door today, don't you ever come back in here. And I was just like, what am I supposed to do for money? <laughs> like, what you mean? She was like, you got a bachelor's degree. You get out here and you make something of yourself. I've been in here 30 years. Don't you come back. And she was like, if you come back, you come back because you own in this place. I ain't never stepped foot back in that place, <laughs> right? So I took my LV's advice, you know, went to master's program along with a counseling. Uh, while I was in my master's program, I was working full-time as a bank teller. Next, first semester of my master's program, I failed out. I failed statistics was on, they took my financial aid away. They was like, you can't come back. They, everything was gone. Cause I failed statistics. So they was like, well, you can appeal. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, I, everybody just think I'm smart. Like how did I fail? Like, how can I say I failed, I dropped, failed out of a master's program? Like, what is that? So, I did my appeal um, that following summer or that summer, they were like, in order for you to get back in or get your you know, financial aid, you got to make AIDS for so many, so many times. And I, I prayed and I said, God, if this is if this is what you want me to do, I'll do it. So I got back in, finished that, um, realized I didn't want to be a typical counselor. So find me something else to do. Then that's when, you know, me and you, I think I met you in that time frame. And I remember going to um, a conference in Baltimore, and that's when I got my, my ears going about higher education, right? And at first it was Greek life, but I ended up in housing. And got to housing, my first professional position, you know, I was like, I don't want to live in a, in a residence hall, <laughs> like, because they in my business. <laughs> Uh, they in my business. So what am I going to do? And that's when I ended up moving to North Carolina, started working at A&T in housing. Now, uh, I had a really close, have a really close, had a really close relationship with my grandmother on my father's side. 
I got to uh, A&T in 2012, fall of 2012. Um, it was the summer. And, and one of the reasons why I took this position because my grandparents was getting older and I want to be closer to home. I didn't know why. That was just put inside my spirit. Got here, fall 2012, the summer of 2013. I remember going to visit my grandmother. Um, she had called and she was like, I'm so happy to hear your voice. Haven't seen her in a while. We sat down and she she was a prophet. She spoke over my life and she was like, you're going to be a doctor, own a business. I was like, Grandma, I'm going to be a doctor. I ain't going back to school. Like, I'm done. Like, you know, you know stop all of this. Just, she was like, you're going to be a doctor. She's talking all this stuff. Like, stop. I didn't know that would be the last conversation I had with my grandma. Mm. I remember making her a promise. I was like, yeah, I'll go get a doctorate and you watch, you're watching me walk across the stage, et cetera. Didn't know that would be my last conversation with her. Told me up. For the next six months, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. My students, and I told them um, after the math, if it wasn't for them, I don't know how I would have survived. So when you come in my space and you dismiss student voices, I have a problem because that's the reason I survived after my grandmother's death. Um, 2014, the summer 2014, I got, I had three applications out there. Four, A&T being one. Uh, A&T denied me. They didn't want me in that doctor program. <laughs> All right, and so it came between North, uh, what is it, Northwestern, Northeastern, and uh, Grand Canyon. I chose Grand Canyon simply because of the courses, and their motto was "Find Your Purpose." It's a Christian institution. So July 2014, I started my journey. For the first two years, I struggled because I was only doing it as a promise to my grandmother. And if you know anything about doctoral program, the first two years is coursework. So it's easy, but I was just like, okay, cool. Then it got to, okay, you got to write this dissertation. And I was like, I can't go off of this. I'm just doing it for my grandmother now. I got to find another reason to keep going. I wanted to quit every day. I remember going to a residency. And at that time I was looking at transgender students because my mentee is transgender. My professor said, no, I don't think this is what you want to do. <laughs> I was just like, why? Because at the time it was the bathroom being in North Carolina. And she said, do you want to be known as the bathroom lady? I said, no. She was like, you have less than 12 hours to come back with a new topic and a new proposal. Now your proposal is about 12 to 30 pages. Before I went to that residency, I served on an assessment committee for housing. And at that time, I was ready to leave AT. I was ready to leave the HBCU space because it was totally different than what I'm used to. Um, and I remember being at the table. My VP was there. And I, hold on. My VP was there and I had my two weeks notice ready. So at this time I'm saying whatever I want to. So said, you want us to run these buildings, do all of this stuff and do assessment. The only assessment I knew was psychological because of counseling. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, you make a job, I do it for you. I said that because I knew I was about to get my two weeks. I had an interview in Illinois, going back to DEI work, go to residency. I remember being in residency after my uh, professor told me that I talked to a soror and she was like, well, won't you look at student affairs assessment since we got to do it at work and see what that's about. And I was like, I don't. So I did it. And what I found was you had this research, but no one was talking about it from an HBCU perspective. So I was like, let me put two and two together and write something. So I did that, came back. My professor said, that's it. That's what you're going to do. I was like, okay. Come back to A&T, because that was in Arizona. Come back to North Carolina. I got called into the office, and the executive director said, uh, the VP wants to send you to a student affairs assessment conference in Baltimore. First of all, I don't have that type of relationship with the VP. Second of all, that's crazy, because I just changed. Okay. So I go to Baltimore to this conference. Every person that I was citing in my dissertation was at that conference. Mm. I met with one of the gurus, Dr. Gavin Hinn, and I'll never forget. And he kind of took me in um, and we were just talking. No one looked like me for the most part. This is a white dominated space, white female at that. Um, and he took me in and his concept became part of my dissertation. I finished in 20, no, right before I finished, 
I had some issues with my committee um, in terms of having now starting to pay out of pocket. And I wasn't making a lot of money, you know, at the time. And so every eight weeks, I got to come out of pocket $500 because you're still taking time reviewing. I had an email set up to say, thank you, but no thank you, I want to quit. Two days after that, I got a call and said, we're ready for your dissertation defense. I was ready to quit at the very end. I defended the day after my birthday in September of 2018. Um, and my life has not been the same since. I am the only one doing this type of work in HBCU space for the most part. And people think student affairs assessment, HBCUs, they think Dr. K. I don't like being in the spotlight. Everything that I told God I didn't want, he put it in my life. <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm in circles with a country girl from South Boston, Virginia. I'm in circles talking one-on-one -on -one casual to HBCU presidents. I can call them. These are things that I could only dream of doing. I've traveled because of the work that I'm doing in regards to HBCUs and student affairs assessment. And I made a vow that after I got my degree, I would help any black person that wanted to pursue a doctorate degree as best I can, because I didn't have a team. I didn't have the support system. I did this by myself because I stated before, it was a promise to my grandmother. So I isolated myself. So when people see me grinding, when they see what I do, it ain't for self. I don't care about that. I care about the people I'm impacting. So I, when people don't get to know me on, on a personal level, and I know sometimes it's me being guarded, it, it, it frustrates me at times because they see me as just a Dr. K. And I'm more than that. I wanna help you get to the next level, whatever, not just in your career, but in your purpose. This ain't a game for me. This is my life. Yeah. If, if, if y'all haven't, uh, uh, for those who know, you may not know, I call her Kells. She's Kells in my phone. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's, she's Kells in my phone. Um, uh, but those, for those, you may not know her, but those that know me, if you don't know by now, by listening to her speak, you see why we are sister and brother. Um, we both live to just, just see people succeed. There's yeah. so much in people that they don't see and they don't recognize and the enemy has told them and sometimes the enemy is them. Yeah. But we but, but that's a whole nother that's, that's a whole, whole nother thing, right? Like that's a whole nother conversation uh that we can have. But I I I love it. I love it because you went down this path. Um you 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 just hearing the story of you began with Man, I don't want to go to college. Mm -mm. I don't want any of that stuff. You know, I want to do this. I don't want no doctorate. I don't want any of that. I, I don't want to do kinesiology because I don't want a doctorate. That's too much school. You know, like, like <laughs> yeah. all this, all this, I fail statistics, all these things that will say, no, you can't be this, right? Um, and no, you can't do this. And th th that's why. I wanted, I want, I needed us to talk. I needed, I need this to be for people to hear this because yeah. it's, it's not you, you, you're, you're being told by yourself or by other people that you can't do a thing, but you can. You just have to believe in yourself and believe in what God is saying and be tuned to hearing and the signs that He's giving you, right? Um, and be willing to get the assistance from people that do believe in you, right? And, and when I think about that, like, you know, your, your, your grandma prophesied over you, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to have your own business. So, like, on top of that, you have your own business. I do. Tell, tell them about it. So real, real quick, I didn't mention that because because I because I didn't because I flunked um, statistics, it messed up my GPA. And I applied for a doctorate degree, even with Grand Canyon, they could only accept me conditionally. I didn't meet the GPA requirements to even be in a doctoral program. <laughs> I didn't. 
right. And so they were like, we'll accept you on condition that you make all A's, I think the first couple of classes. And I did it. So a lot of people don't know that. But yes, I have my own business, uh, Clear Pathway Consulting Services, um, official uh, 2017. The name came from me just sitting down, um, thinking of my grandmother, um, listening to God, and what's my purpose? What, what is it? And I've always been that person that can show people their potential and make connections. Like I can someone talk and say, oh, I, I don't know how to do this. I want to do this. I don't know to do that. And in five minutes, I can wrap it all up for them. And it came, clear pathway. There's, we all on a path. I want to help you clear it. I want to help you walk the walk. Um, and so that's where that name came from. And what, what we do there, um, we do dissertation coaching. I'm a certified life coach. So I do holistic life coaching. Um, of course, I do higher ed consulting around um, assessment, um, special preference given to HBCUs. I'm a certified core strengths facilitator. So in terms of leadership development, I do assessment around um, what motivates you, how you handle conflict strengths. I have a global partnership with Core Strengths. Um, my team is building. So I have senior consultants that are working alongside me. And we're just here doing the work, carrying out my vision and my purpose. But I, I have a discernment about who I work with um, on my team and who I bring in as clients as well. So it's a God thing for me. So even in life coaching, if God tells me something about you in this space, I'm going to give it to you. Because when I did that in the past, I didn't tell people. And because of that, that hindered them. Because I recognize that he gives to me so that I can give people so they can get along on their purpose. But now that I know that, I don't care. If God gives it to me, I'm going to tell you. And if, you. if it confuses you, that's on you. But I got to do my part to get you where you need to go. But yes, Clear Pathway Consulting. Um, we're here. Uh, we're ready to serve. Uh, it, it, it is it's not all easy work. Um, it's a lot of investment from yourself. Um, but I'm willing to invest in people that are willing to do the work. So that's why I'm here. Yeah, yeah. So t tell, tell um, you know, one of the goals uh, and purposes of um, Infinite Scope is to not just impact the individual, right? Mm -hmm. We're also here to serve other nonprofits, right? Um, and uh, talk about what your services or what you can do that can help nonprofits and, and as well as just the community. Mm -hmm. So one of the things um, that I can provide is couple of things. One, life coaching, um, which is totally different from counseling, right? And so as, as a team, it's important to know self-awareness individually and then what that looks like when you come together as a team, right? So I like to operate in a space of we can work individually, but when you become a team, how does that manifest? What does that look like? And so um, I do a lot of work around team effectiveness. And so that's uh, core strengths assessment comes in. It really is about teamwork um, and how do these different parts come together to work as a team? How do we handle conflict? Um, and all of that is needed in an organization to thrive. Yes. Uh, I provide that. And because of this global partnership, one of the things that I agreed upon is um, that I do this for Black folks. So mm -hmm. if you're a Black-owned company, I want you to come seek me out because I'm ready for y'all. We're ready for y'all. Uh, what we realize is this type of development is not given to Black folks. Yeah. And out there, we don't always have the necessary funds and support to go get it or find it. Yes. I'm removing that excuse. Ain't no excuses here. I'm telling you. I'm giving it to Black folks. Yeah. A business, if you, have, if you want to increase your leadership skills, contact us. We can get you the development that you need. And I promise you, I'm not going to sell you anything or push anything on you that I haven't done and that I don't agree with. I took this assessment uh, back in 2015 and it has shifted how I move. I know that I'm performance driven. And so when I come to a table, I know how to articulate that. 
A lot of times in not just nonprofits, but organizations in general, people are at tables and they don't know how to articulate what they can bring to the table and what that looks like. Yeah. Different from somebody else. So that's that's what I'm offering and that's what I'm willing to provide. I love it. I love it. Before we uh, wrap up, um, you know, uh, Kels, Dr. K, the many, yes. the many faces, uh, she uh, she's also an author. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has she she has two books, probably got like three or four more in her mind that she's working on. If, if, if I know my sister, uh, her first book uh, um, that I, I have purchased is Recharge. Right. And then she has, um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, then she has another one that she wrote uh, with uh, one of uh, one of my favorite sorrows as well, uh, Jay, um, uh, with which is reclaiming our affirmations. Right. Uh, uh, I have not purchased that book yet. I own it. I, I failed in that way as a brother, but I, I felt like you was you was doing that book for the for the, for the women. Uh, this was everybody. I believe so, but like I, 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 I think in the, in the time, not not to be gender specific, right? That's right. Not, that's not my my focus, but I think there's a time right now that <clears throat> there's empowerment that our our women, especially our black women, need to reclaim, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, and that's that's how I how I looked at it, you know, and I and I, and I wanted to respect that space. Right. At the time, but I'm probably gonna purchase it just off the strength that you're you're my sister and um like that and, I, and that's what I do I just support my people um but 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 yeah so like you know so I'm, I'm saying that because when when this podcast is posted I'm gonna have the links to be able to click and I would encourage you to purchase those books um to support her but also just to support your journey yeah um. She, uh, I, I wouldn't do it justice to explain it. So I'll let her explain it of why you need to purchase uh, both of those books. First of all, none of these, uh, Recharge, I wrote Recharge. The formula that I created in Recharge was what I did with my male students, my black male students. And they said, more people need to see this. And I was like, I'm not about to meet with all of y'all students. And it's like, put it in a book. So I did it. This, this book is a dedication to them. Um, and recharge is really about, you know, taking that 21 days of making, breaking a habit. If you set yourself on a pace, focus for 21 days, get back into the groove of things. And every now and then you need a recharge. I do a recharge at least once every two months, you know, that's the focal point of that. And this whole understanding that goal achievement is, a t- is tied to your self-awareness. If you don't know who you are, it's less likely you're going to achieve some big goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, reclaiming our affirmation is a personal journey uh, with me and Jade, the other author, which started when she called me uh, crying. I thought she think she minds me saying this, but crying about, I got this degree, I'm in this position and I don't want to be here. Is this what it's all about? And that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was feeling some, some same sentiments in my own position. And we said, let's Let's do something together. Let's just journal for a while. And in the midst of it, it was, let's put this into a book. Um, and so for 30 days, literally, we wrote the affirmations. And it was so many times, we the affirmations we wrote, we were like, I'm not finna to say that to myself. No, even though I want it, I ain't finna do the work for it. So it was passion work. We never published it. It was all because of the Erica Badu and Jill Scott verses. Mm. I said, if you wrote it, it's not yours anymore. You have to send it out. As soon as she said that, I remember texting Jade and said, Jade, we got to publish this book. And not only did I say that, I said that to myself because I hadn't published Recharge either. So I published Recharge on my own. And I said, Jade, we got to go back and make corrections, do whatever. And we ended up publishing that. So I published two books within like two to three months of each other. Yeah. That's good. That's good. You 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 just encouraged me even more because uh, you know my uh, youngest daughter Mimi. You you you've known Mimi yeah. since like you know. Yeah, like I yeah. feel so old. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and she's written a book already. Wow. Um, yeah, and 
And it's up to, she's written it. She's done her part by writing it out. And so now it's up to us to type it and edit it, right? Right. Um, and she's already on her second book. Come on. <laughs> and she's Come like, on. Let's go. She, she, she's, she literally like, daddy, when are we going to finish this? Like, so I can release my book and I can, like, so for other people to read it and I can make money from it. Like, she's already there. And so like, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like hearing you say that, it's like, I, I need to stop being her roadblock, mm. you know, because uh, right now I'm being her roadblock. She's doing what she's supposed to do. She's letting her creative juices go. And if I continue to not not do my next step, right, um, then then she's going to be like, "What's the point?" But when she right. sees it goes out there and we put it out there in the space, you know, right. it's gonna it's gonna be something. So thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. Like, um, yeah. But is, it, is there any final thoughts that you want to share with the people um, before we uh, end this moment? You owe it to yourself to trust yourself. Even when you don't think you're making the right decisions, trust yourself, love on yourself, like yourself, take care of yourself because no one else will. Um, and honor that which God has put in you. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> once again, thank you for taking the time out. Yes, my um, pleasure. I knew I knew that our conversation wouldn't be a simple 30-minute talk or anything like that. Um, and I and I know uh I've done this with everybody that I've sent questions to. I've, I've told everybody that I want our conversations to be free flowing. And I promise you, this is what I expect to end more, um, the path, the road. Uh, yes. So I'm thankful, I'm excited uh, about it. And um, hopefully everybody that has tuned in, if you enjoyed this moment, you're gonna, <clears throat> I, I, would, I would encourage you to look at all the information that I have posted with this uh, podcast to check out. Uh, Dr. Dr. K or Kells as I call her, um, her books, get her, her company, Clear Pathways, um, and just see the work that she's doing and, and connect with her. I, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Even if you feel like it's not for you, it could be for somebody else. So let's uh, continue to connect and grow with one another. <clears throat> and as I say all the time, let's, um, let's do, uh, I'm glad to do this in service and in solidarity. Um, and uh, just thankful for the for the moment. So thank you once again, Dr. K. And thank until you. Next time. We hope that we have connected you to a new resource, a new way of thinking, or simply encouraged you. As we continue to prepare to serve those around us, we ask that you partner with us. You can do this financially or coming along and volunteering in other capacities. If you are interested in partnering with us, please email anthony at infinitescope.org. Remember, follow the highway and you'll probably arrive at a destination. Follow your heart and you may leave a trail. In service and solidarity, I am Anthony Brumfield. Thank you for listening.